0: Nice! Freak, freak, freak the chairs. The chair said welcome as well. Hey uh, folks, it's your host, the uh, Coen Team of the Most. I'm joined by my co-host.
1: Stark raving Mad, Brian, whatever you want to call me, I'm here.
0: <laughs> well, I got a few colorful names for you if that's the way we're going to play it. Oh yeah? Mr. General of Chaos? Mr. <laughs> the Greatest Chaos General Ever, I guess. Uh, anyway, we've got a couple of uh, guest, uh, I don't know, guests, I guess as we could call them, uh, on the show. Locals uh, have been on before. Eric, how's it going?
2: Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, Stone Monk on the Warhammer forums and
0: just an idiot on the on cake the table. Pretty much.
3: Dunker.
0: Hey, and we also have our, our good friend uh, and special guest this week. Davey, what's going on, buddy?
3: Uh, not too much. Getting a little painting going on. Uh, you can find me at Red Beach just uh, anywhere uh, I would be present on the internet and in professional circles.
4: is a little awkward. All right. Well,
0: we are gathered here today to talk about the death of an age. That's right, the death. Of Aethed Warhammer. No, we're not talking about the death of Aethed. We're not going to be like the other shows and tell us tell people about how horrible that or anything like is. But we do have some. We do want to kind of look back at all the joy that 8th Ed Warhammer has brought us, and talk about some of the best things that that best things that Aethed brought to the table that we hope find the ways to stick around in the upcoming edition in Warhammer, as well as maybe a couple of spots where we, we thought, hey, there could have been some improvement, uh, if, you know, being able to look back at it after... Uh, all of us having played for several years. So I think that's going to be a, a great topic for today's conversation. Um, also, today we are doing this Google Hangout thing again. Uh, so everybody's kind of just sitting over here hanging out on uh, over the Internet. So hopefully we don't have too many issues with the Hangout and uh, things go well with everybody. It seems like uh, we're kind of getting the hang of this newfangled technology stuff. So woohoo! Anyway, Maybe we'll get a lot of hobby done in the progress. Yeah, so what are you guys all working on? Let's start with you, Brian. What are you working on tonight?
1: Uh, well, I just barely sat down here. Um, I'm working on the next top secret project. does not have a code name yet, so I can't say too much about it, but <laughs> it's been a lot of work, and they're probably making it difficult, but hopefully the end result will be cool. I really, really, really want to have it done for the end of our campaign we have going for the final battle, so... We'll see if I can work that out. School's going to be done in a couple weeks or so here, so that should help.
0: Yeah, you've only been working on that secret project now for, what, three, four months? And Uh, I still don't know what it is? (laughs) A long, long time. It's
1: probably been longer than that. I don't even know. It was before, before the end of last year, I believe. But I've been working on it that long, but it's not, like, consistent work for sure, so. I haven't really gotten that much time into it, and I did actually put it aside for at least a month or more for a while there. And I haven't got much hobbying done besides, but other than that, I do have some paint work. I'm working on more bolt-action guys. Uh, just get the next ten set of those guys done. I finished up ten of them, more or less. I think i might have to do some more basing work on them, but there was a... I think it was for National Board Game Day or something like that. Pegasus had a dealio at the yeah. store that they wanted... Uh, some demo. demo, and then we threw a bolt action demo in there too. So, mm-hmm. it was my Americans so I finally finished painting up, just a uh, ten of them or so to face down some Germans for some demo
0: games for you guys. Some guys. Yep. No, it was uh, international tabletop day. Uh, so uh, that was good. That was a good time. We got a few demos in. Hopefully, hopefully some some at least interest in wargaming from other people. Uh, so, Eric, what are you working on? <coughs> uh, well, um, I'm. Kind
2: of a little, uh, weary to
0: say exactly what I'm working on. Oh, yeah? I know what it is. <laughs> um, yes. No, you already did that work. That work's already, that, that work was done nine months ago. What are you doing <laughs> now?
2: <What? Wait. laughs> yeah, so I'm, uh. I I'm maybe pumped, don't know uh, what it is. Four days away from having uh, my second kid. Uh, but more importantly. Wait a minute. No, not more importantly. But more <laughs> <things that's> relevant. <laughs> As uh, I, I I I saw the uh 40K uh, release and oh, uh, no. I jumped into it. So um, I don't play 40K. I have no clue how to play 40K. I don't even know if I'll learn how to play 40K. Um, but
0: these models are badass, and that's I just let my heart take me. Is really what I, what it comes down to. <laughs> but no, I, I guess that's the important thing. If you're gonna if you're gonna cough up eight billion dollars on GW models, you better darn well appreciate and enjoy what enjoy the model. So, uh, that, you I've know. got uh, I've got some plans still for my um, my Undead Legion army and a few of the conversions that I want to do. Um, uh, I had some back and forth. I'm trying to get a Lord Croak
2: um, and uh, had some issues trying to get it, so it kind of stopped my forward progress over there. And then I used up my money. <laughs> on some so I still have plans for that, and still going to jump on that. But
0: uh, thought I'd l- I'd let the wind take me. So yeah, if anybody's had a chance to follow you follow with your work on that undead legion army, that's there's some crazy crazy conversions you've done with it. Your freehand on your banners have been just outstanding. Uh, it, it's, a it's a very crash. impressive project. Thank you, thank you. All right, Davey, what, what are you working on there, buddy? You got any hobby in front of you? Or? Well, uh, so Brian's working on
3: uh, bolt action, and uh, Eric's working on 40K, which I'm glad uh, some guys can soften the blow. I'm actually uh, base-coding some uh, scorn, actually. So.
0: War Machine. War Machine, wow, that's a huge variety of war games we're working on today.
3: Yeah, you know, the uh, the first time I played a game against Brian uh, was, was uh, his Minoth versus my Scorn. Um, my, like, barely more than Starter Set, now. <laughs> oh, it, or it, maybe it was you, exactly, it was, it was Starter Set versus Starter that Set. That was a Starter was Set, sorry. Yeah, that man. was so long ago. Yeah, it was quite some time ago. So. I haven't played much War uh, Machine since then. <laughs> yeah, you, you set my, my boss man on fire, and I... I uh, your robots around. It was, it was kind of
0: fun. Cool, uh, yeah, just uh, well, I guess we'll talk about probably the why of, of uh, we're all kind of. Y- am I the uh, so? Water for now. So am I the only person that's actually working on fantasy? No, I'm. Mine. I'm working on my conversion right now, man. We don't know what that oh, game. Well, what game that's even yeah, for that's yet? No
3: it could be anything. Well, it's yeah, for it's, fantasy. You. You, you, that's course. what you
0: say we don't have any idea what it actually oh, is will not tell us you can't you, believe me you're gonna probably drop the bombshell on us and go oh hey look I jump ship and I'm doing
3: playing Barbies yeah Into playing miniature railroads yeah did anyone get it right yeah
0: I think we all got it right Barbie, Barbie Railroad
3: miniature Barbie <laughs> Railroads yeah Barbie, <laughs> Barbie Railroad <laughs> Oh, Anyways, I've actually. A little, a little uh, caveat in the same way that Eric did, is that this is not an abandonment of fantasy or fantasy remains the primary. This is just a, uh, a, a change up to keep things fresh um, on the hobby side. i uh, for really inspiration to kind of build again.
0: Have you been playing
3: much War Machine lately I mean, or just, just decided to work on it? Literally none. I just uh, had the toolbox kicking around and thought I'd uh, I'd open it up and see where I'd left it.
0: I see. Tired of painting on your uh, you needed a little change of break and color palette from working on those warriors? Yeah, uh, pretty
3: tired of painting horses. (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh,
3: What I need to do is get out for the uh, Monday night campaigns which has seemed very cool. I've just been working for a lot of them Uh, but I think that was uh, fire
0: me up, getting motivated again to get some progress going. I'll tell you what, those order players would love it to see us have another couple of uh, Destruction players out, so... So maybe the Ogres can play on somebody else's side for a change?
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, we basically had to grab all of our Ogre players, which we seemingly have a, an overabundance of Ogre players. But, uh, yeah, we... We tend to have to grab a lot of them and all, aka all of them, and have them play on the side of destruction. So yeah, it'd be good to have you back out to the store. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I am the only. I am well. I shouldn't say the only person because Brian (laughs) might be working on it. We're not sure, but I am working on a a chaos chariot, so I can have my second little chaos chariot. So you know, more
3: smelly chaos.
0: Warhammer Fantasy Chaos and Chari- Chariots of Chaos. You know that's the name of the book. Uh, so yeah, it's the old, the the previous version metal one though. So it'll be kind of cool since I have the current edition plastic one already built and painted up in my list. This will kind of look cool because it'll look different than the other chariot. I am swapping out the steeds to use the current plastic Chaos Knight steeds rather than the uh, the old Chaos steeds that came with it. I was just gonna ask you that. But yeah. <laughs> That's I swapped it out, and since all of my chaos stuff, I'm re- basically redoing. I have an old Nurgle's chaos army, and so I'm basically kind of redoing my chaos army as a corn army just for this campaign. So I've added like skull crushers and corn chaos knights, and uh, you know, you know, you listen to my like the last show. I've been like no no fantasy hobby, no no fantasy hobby. Well, I've basically painted almost twelve hundred points. It was in three, almost just over. Yeah, just about three weeks. I painted almost twelve hundred points of chaos, and I've slowed down a little bit this last week and a half or so. But I'm uh, busy working on the rids. Yeah, I kind of you know now that I had enough stuff get they got enough stuff done on the chaos to be able to to kind of achieve the effect I was looking for with some of the key units I wanted to add to my list. I yeah, I went back to working on this bolt action. Yeah, I want to get this chariot hopefully done for this coming Monday and have another toy in my toy box. For, uh, Your to... has been all, all mortals you run into. Yeah, well, that, the campaign is restricted. I can't do uh, a Legions of Chaos list right now, so yeah. I can't include like a skill cannon or anything like that. wouldn't want one of those. Mm, might be a good excuse to go uh, paint up that motorbike of... Oh, yeah, you would have to paint it. So. <laughs> yeah, that is my. You know, I, I'm still playing with fully painted stuff. I have not not played with an unpainted model yet this year. So, uh, Conzi's challenge full in effect for uh, 2015.
3: Nice.
0: Uh, tell us about That's it. Attaboy. Anybody else uh, stepped up that 2015 plate? Tell us about it. Hosts at wiscodice.com. Okay, uh-huh. so. Um, can I kind of get into uh, hobby and geek news here? Uh, we kind of this newish thing we start we did started doing this year. I've been kind of paying attention to uh, the rumor pool. I've, obviously, we've everybody's paying attention and listening. to we if you haven't heard, uh, there's a ninth edition of Warhammer Fantasy coming out. Supposedly, supposedly. So now, hey, okay, we talk. We we said it. Now we're gonna forget about it. Uh, also. Did you guys, did anybody here see the new board game that came out, the Cthulhu Wars? No. Holy crazy. That is the mo- single most expensive board game I have ever bought. <laughs> what are
3: we, we talking, talking about? about? Oh, you bought it already.
0: I bought it. The figures are massive. Like, Cthulhu himself is probably eight inches tall. It's just a ridiculously huge figure. But the box set for the starter game which is a four-player game, retails online from their website at $199.
1: What all do you get for
0: $199? There were a lot of miniatures, but and they were massive, and the box is heavy. It's it's very loaded with miniatures, and I'm super, uh, I got to play a couple of games of it. It's a really fun game, but $200 for a board game...
3: Yeah, there totally was, was no barrier to you apparently.
0: So. Apparently, uh, if you're a really big Cthulhu Mythos fan and you really like those models, uh, <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's worth it. But yeah, uh, well, then, I question. Do you have a Do you have a favorite uh, uh, story of, in the Cthulhu Mythos? The one, uh, a favorite Lovecraft story. You know, as far as stories that I've read, I'm a big uh, Dunwich horror fan. Okay. For anything that lovecraft has written I've, I really like that that story it, it the way because it, it, anything cause anything Lovecraft wrote I feel kind of dry but that story I felt like it had a, a really nice kind of pacing with the way he recapped it uh, kind of you know progressing through the years so it, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought some of the other other stuff he's done. So let me, let me ask the rest of you guys while we're kind of on this section. Uh, is there any been anything new or gaming or TV-wise, uh, movies that you guys have seen recently uh, that you want to talk about?
1: I can actually add something for a change. I did. Uh, a lot of people seem to be talking about it, but Netflix just busted out like a only Netflix series of Daredevil. Oh, and yeah. I think I've almost watched the whole season already. I don't know how many episodes there are, but it's actually been a pretty good show. So, I would advise checking that out. I'm pretty sure most everybody has Netflix, but that's been enjoyable. It's kind of really... I'd say it's similar to Arrow, but better if you have watched that. Kind of the same grittiness to it, but it seems a little more realistic in my mind, I guess, as far as especially the fight scenes and stuff like that. But that's been a fun watch, and then not sure when the episode will make it out. It'll probably be just after it comes out. But Avengers: Age of Ultron comes out next week, so I have my tickets
2: for Friday night. I won't see it Thursday night, but I'll see it Friday night. I'm pretty pumped about that. I imagine it will be good. Very cool. Yeah, I've been really enjoying the. I finished the Daredevil series, and obviously, it ties into the whole universe the media, you know, shows and stuff that you know, loosely it doesn't. Sit too much on it, which is nice. Um, but uh, like uh, the the character development, the focus on you know the story—it's not. I mean, it's
1: kind of it's it's definitely an origin kind of story, yeah. but it's the whole season is that story. So you really get a lot of character development and stuff. So that's kind of cool. And there's a ex Mighty Ducker in there too. <laughs> <laughs> which I can't remember what his name was in the Mighty Ducks, but. I think he was the like the big tough kid who couldn't play hockey or whatever because he didn't know how to skate. He's Foggy Nelson, uh, kind of Matthew
0: Murdoch's Well, that's where he's from. Yeah, brother, <laughs> like best bro pal. But he's uh, I'm enjoying him in the series. Yeah, like I don't recognize the guy who plays Daredevil from anything, but I think the chick was in like. The vampire Diaries or something like that too. But uh, she was in uh the <laughs> HBO series, uh uh True Blood. True Blood, Blood, that was it. So yeah, if you wanna if you wanna check her out with a few with a little, little less clothes on, you can go, go check her out on True Blood, I guess.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and somebody died. Eric, are you dying over there? No, what happened? I don't know. Somebody's
0: oh, I, banging around. It sounded like
3: somebody somebody passed out. In, uh, Sorry.
2: <laughs> I went over and called the advice and went checked out true and then I passed out.
0: <laughs> Apparently. So anybody else got any other uh, geek news I want to bring up?
3: Um, not news, but my participation is that I, I finally got on board. Uh, I'm, I'm reading the first of the, the files right now. Uh, so, the first one? Uh, it's... Uh, I, I'm alternating between like stuff that's really exciting and really, uh, or I, I don't know, I guess stuff like uh, more hobby culture stuff like this Dresden Files. Um, right before it, I read a, uh, I read another Cormac McCarthy, the uh, All the Pretty Horses, which is like uh, much more serious sort of thing. So it's a uh, it took me a while to shift my gears, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. And literally, I think I've heard everybody recommend it that ever. And hobby things.
0: Uh, I I think most people I've heard recommend Dresden Files recommend the audiobooks, um, and that's because uh, uh, James Marsters does a, the reading for it, Okay. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, if, and you remember uh, the old Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series, uh, the like British Vampire... Yeah. He sounds nothing like that <laughs> when he does the audiobooks. <laughs> when he does a brilliant job, I think uh, of capturing that Dresden feel. Does he voice
1: characters or anything like that, or is
0: it uh, just narration? She he doesn't. He, he doesn't do like a drastic like. I, I, one of the things I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I, he doesn't do that drastic like difference in voices. But it's enough that you know, like different characters are speaking, and he's can really consistent.
1: There. Yeah, I've never been much into audio myself. There was one more announcement uh, for Warhammer Total War, I guess. Oh, I'm yeah. i familiar with the Total War series. Have any of you guys played any of those? Or I do no, no. oh, no, I've never played I've, I've heard excellent things about
3: it. Uh, I watched the trailer. The trailer looked cool. They had the trailer looked I didn't pretty cool. Understand. Yeah, the trailer was
0: like, our rules have changed, and I didn't know if that was, I don't know, Total War saying that? Or, like, or, or if that's a a clip that they've based uh, Total War on Ninth Ed, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so I, I was like, I, I don't know
3: what's going
1: on. but I don't really know when that was actually coming out or anything, but yeah, the trailer was an interesting watch. I didn't have the sound on when I watched it, unfortunately, but it was a pretty cool representation.
3: Awesome. There's a lot of really important exposition going on that you missed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you might want to go rewatch that with the audio. <laughs> Not right now, though. <laughs>
4: I did read an article on, I think, I've Lost Souls about it. I think they're doing um, starting off with just four factions. Undead,
2: orcs and goblins, Empire, and... Chaos. Cool. No, I don't think Chaos are in this one.
0: Really? I, they're I in, the, they're in the trailer, though.
2: The wars based on the trailer. That could be cool. that so I know the wizard has like is yeah coming out of chaos, but I think from the article that they're just starting with those four races playable, and then they'll do expansions that will
3: have other races in it.
0: Uh, that it could be it's
3: playable. Tra- trailers seem to imply that dwarves would be in there.
0: So. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, it's, it's like funny.
1: a um, what do you call it? A RTS game, isn't it? Yeah. Or how do they play? Kind of. Probably more like Warcraft or something
3: similar
1: to that.
0: There. there you go. Yeah, something like that. A little more... But thought the Total War series had a little more with kingdom building and stuff too in it, but... Go ahead and jump into our main topic. So, uh, 8th Ed Warhammer. We're... We're at almost the end. It's it's a sad, sad day. It's been a really good addition. It's been probably... Uh, I've been playing Warhammer since uh, back in fifth when I started, and uh, other than really early in sixth edition when we were all playing like Ravening Hordes lists, and the game was uh, I, I, for for a little booklet of army lists in a brand new edition of the game, there was an amazing amount of game balance at that point. Um, but since then. I don't think I've felt like I've I've had as much fun with the rules and being able to play the game as I have uh, throughout the course of 8th edition and, and the way that 8th edition has evolved as an edition where uh, even, you know, if I, if I want to play an infantry list, I can still play. You know, I can still play that infantry list and I, I can make it perform. If I want to play a cavalry list here at the tail end of Eighth Ed, I can make that cavalry list and perform. So it's in a a really nice addition. I've been, you know, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, what what are what is your favorite uh, probably rule or or thing about Eighth Ed that's really made? Uh, really made it a, a great addition for you. Let's start with Brian. Um,
1: well, I guess my favorite of the favorite was the big change to combat. Uh, from only your front range striking at, like, Charger or Initiative Order or whatever, to everybody striking at Initiative Order was, like, just a huge change. Like, I always was kind of, I guess I don't know what the word was, but it seemed really weird to have this group of, like, 20 or more guys back then to have only the few fighting in the front rank, and if they got killed, none of your guys were fighting, so I just thought that was kind of a lame aspect to the gameplay before, so I really love that this got really your whole units, it's more like unit on unit now, when you get, everybody gets their swings back, unless the whole unit's destroyed, but swinging at initiative order, and like, charges aren't too big of a deal, except for the plus one, or any bonuses you get from any weapons or whatever, like lances, but I just thought that was way cooler and combats are a lot bloodier. You guys just aren't running away. People are dying in there kind of thing. So I just think it really stepped up the gameplay in the combat phase, having all those attacks. See,
0: there's, there's definitely something about chucking a pile of dice. Yes. That just that just, <laughs> just a certain amount of fun. Like I, I remember picking up that first time I had like my orcs in combat with two choppas, and I'm like, okay, I've got like 40 yeah. dice worth of attacks here. Chuck. <laughs> like I've got, I got, I got, I got to pick up the dice. I remember playing that Misty way back in the beginning of eighth, and they had, they had like a bowl sitting on the shelf. I don't remember where the bowl came from, but like literally chucking my dice in the bowl and then shaking the bowl and tossing them on the table for my dice roll because I had so many dice. Yep. And you know, I had the, you know, they were a little larger dice, but I had so many dice I couldn't hold them all in my hands. Because,
1: yeah, aside from shooting, I don't think you ever got to roll that many dice usually or maybe a spell or something. So yeah. It's really cool being able to throw that many dice.
0: Well, and it, was, it was The 40Kers were playing in the same store at the time, I think, with us, too. So it was like, ha, look at us! We're chucking more dice than you guys for once. Chucking
1: all the dice I own at once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was definitely a definitely good of, good improvement to the game. Yeah, if I pick my favorite, that's got to be it. So. All right, uh... Baby, let's. You've been playing for quite a while. What is What is your favorite thing about Eighth? Uh, so I've been playing since Sixth <laughs> Edition, um, and then it, it's interesting because the uh, I, I think some of whether people like or didn't like Eighth uh, had to do with you know when they're when they're working or playing. peak in mind my, my available time and everything aligned
3: with Eighth uh, really well. But I think I think Eighth contributed. <laughs> Nicely to it, and for me, as a as a dwarf player, and more specifically as, the, as a combat dwarf player, I almost have to echo Brian's input there, and in that combats became much more interesting. In seventh edition, I very often the dice that I got to roll were uh, were maybe some armor saves if I was if I was lucky, <laughs> and then and then a break check, and then my flee distance. Uh, and that was that was pretty much the dice I was rolling, uh, unless I could pull something crazy off. And and wins were very satisfying in seventh edition because I felt like I was working so much. But all of a sudden, eighth edition came around, and uh, and I was able to actually throw some dice in the combat phase, even if I didn't charge. Um, and to add to that, actually, uh, I know there was a lot of uh, just just to put something different. In, I know there's a lot of input saying that, oh, you know, terrain doesn't do anything in 8th edition, uh, but I preferred terrain in 8th edition as as opposed to terrain in 7th. And in 7th, if you walk into a woods that was with a ranked unit, you were, you were done. I mean, that unit was not doing anything else. Couldn't march, and was at half distance uh, for its move. So if I ever accidentally got a dwarf unit in the woods, they were moving an inch and a half a turn until that was essentially them out of the game. And so I... Uh, I think what 8th edition did was made larger blocks viable, and it made large infantry blocks um, able to negotiate the table better than before. Uh, And so you started seeing them, and so Warhammer Battles started looking a little more like battles between armies rather than battles between two, like, I don't know, gangs or something. Uh, And so I, I really appreciated the change and what the table looked like. And it's been so long that I think we we take that for granted. Um, Honestly, the way that the game is shifting, it's it's maybe shifting a little away from that right now. But uh, that's that's a a discussion. I think I have mixed feelings
1: about the terrain change myself. Yeah. Like, I definitely like that it was streamlined a little bit. I think the terrain generator that they want you to use originally, I don't know if anybody even does that anymore, but I thought that was really silly. And how you'd have yeah, I mean, you'd end a up in dark elf years. tower right in the middle of a empire encampment or something like that. I just thought it was kind of silly that way. And I wish terrain did more like by itself without being special. If that makes any sense, like I kind of missed that a little sure. bit. Like it's all the magical effects that do anything now from it. And I think that's a little kind of much, especially if you were to roll them up randomly or whatever. You get quite the assortment of random stuff on yeah. there, and I kind of miss the plain Jane feel of it, but it has been streamlined yeah, a bit, and yeah. I, I kind of miss having woods personally, but... Go ahead, Davey. I agree with you on, on that. like, it, it's
4: not quite doing, doing enough, but I'd rather have it, I'd rather
3: have it do, I'd rather have it like it is, where it's, it's not doing it's not doing enough, rather than it is deciding the game, you know, like, oh no, there's a woods on this side of the table, I guess, you know, this infantry unit will never get to do anything on that side of the table. And, and I, I mean, I see the arguments on, on the other side. I just, um, I, I think there's a middle ground, but I, I'd rather have it here than where it was. I think it was too restrictive to the army, armies that you could field uh, in seventh, it really pushed you in a certain direction. Um, and this this just left it more open to a greater variety of armies and a greater variety of armies that actually look like armies rather than you know a collection. I I
0: definitely, definitely agree with that. And big brothers. I definitely agree. Um, you mentioned one other thing. I like, being a dwarf player, the kind of kind of I wanted to pick out here as, as bonus things to to uh, the addition being able to actually charge with dwarves was pretty awesome. Sure. What's the yeah,
1: big yeah, change yeah. that it let you do
0: that? The the two D six plus move on charge rate, just the random charge distances, you know when you were able to charge six inches with dwarfs, you only know, reason you charge is because you got like a big overrun the turn before or something like that and an accident happened and or something accident accidentally happened or your opponent overran and ended up right where you know, right where they were just a little bit in front of your unit and didn't quite overrun as far as they would have liked. Uh, now, you know, you can get a, you know, like, oh, hey, that's a, you left me a a 15-inch charge. I'm taking it. I'm going to toss the dice and try, you know, because what's the worst that's going to happen? My little little unit's going to scoot, you know, the three or four inches I was going to move it anyways? Charge! (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how many times in this edition. It hasn't happened recently, but... I think it was the last few times I played my Bretts, even the dang dwarfs would make like a 11 or 12 inch charge on the dice roll,
1: what they needed. And that always kind of irked me because I was really used to that was pretty early on in the change that I remember this, but. My I was so used to being able to just with the cavalry kind of hang outside the charge distance of any infantry, and then here comes these dwarfs running across the table and charge the and then my whole line rolled up from there. <laughs>
3: so, that took a bit of learning. I think I'm finally used to it, and I kind of
1: don't like the randomness sometimes, but I think it makes the the randomness adds a lot of fun to the game and just kind of stuff that's kind of out of your hands and add some fun in there and also mix certain units like the Dwarfs and such a little bit better.
0: Yeah, it gets us out of the corner. All right, so, Eric, this is the only edition of Warhammer that you've really played, right? So you, you haven't played, you know, you just started playing not that long ago. noob, Compared to the rest of us. Uh, but you played enough 8th edition that you can at least kind of go, okay, now that you're on the verge of a new edition, what was your, what, what, What made what part of the rules made your 8th ed games the most fun? Yeah, besides being ogres. Yeah, I mean, this is this is my first experience with uh, with Warhammer and
2: and uh, just you know, obviously getting introduced to everything. I'm sure my favorite rule is a rule that I haven't even learned yet because I you know, so new in it, Um, (laughs) but you know, I think. from a rule perspective, um, I mean, I like the dynamics of. I guess what is it, what what makes it fun for me, um, I guess I mean the funnest part for me is just the variety, you know, uh, especially at the you know local game uh, store where everything is the list changed all the dang time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I really don't know that I can point to a single list from a from the games perspective like ogres. One of my favorite things is, um, uh, is the, I love the movement phase. Uh, <laughs> you know, with ogres there's a lot, with my undead there's not, um, and so but both sides of it is very like I feel like I, I spend my most time thinking about the movement phase, right? Um, and and I, I know that there's some ra- more random things, that, you know, the charges are a lot more possible, a lot more random, that sort of thing, but yeah, I mean. It, all that kind of stuff, uh, how you wheel, how you face, you know, pointing those corners in the right place to, to get, you know, to protect the flanks and that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, it's, it feels like a really, um, like it's easy to to miss something in that phase and just how you're positioned, how you move. And I don't know how different that is from seventh, uh, but that's probably my one of my favorite parts of the game is the is that positioning your your units just the right way. Uh,
0: so, if that counts, doesn't it? No, I think that that does yeah, count. Right I, think, the I, <laughs> I think it was in the, in the previous editions, but I think when 8th Ed first came out, the meta, when we talk about the meta, but I think the way people played it uh, and the way the meta kind of was was definitely orientated much more to uh, just push your giant block forward and then try to get your spell off to beat your opponent's giant block, and if you did that, then you then you'd win. I mean, I remember uh, one of the guys that was part of the group back then playing Wood Elves. Like his his role, he like his entire game was, you know, his biggest part of his tactic was okay, I'm gonna six dies dwellers, kill your level four, and then and get the magic superiority superiority, and then just shoot and whittle down and. And take that critical charge with my big six pack of uh, of treekin, and that was like his primary tactic. And he he went and he was crushing the tournaments and stuff. Like that was the way he played, and that was the way you know that was like the thing at the beginning of eighth. And then as as the edition progressed, and some some players kind of figured out, you know, this oh hey, there's this huge moving component. And block your units and, and stuff like that so that you can control the charging and you can control, uh, you know, so much more yeah, of the game that way. And, really and I think, Eric, you walked right into that that <laughs> mindset <laughs> when you started. Yeah, I mean, base had a really big learning curve. Like, it didn't
1: seem that much different, but it sure worked a lot different with those super spells in there. So that was a big change, but those bigger units sometimes you need those bigger spells in there. So at this point that somehow balanced it out a little bit.
0: Yep. Uh, so I think those are those were some really good positives about what we really liked about eighth. Now kinda going the other direction, what were you know, if you had a had to uh, choose one thing you would change about 8th edition Warhammer, what would that be? Uh, Well, I don't know
1: if it'd be the one thing I'd change, but it seems to be a bigger gripe on my mind lately, and I think it kind of... It's gotten worse over time based on some of the army books that have come out, but cannons just... Seem utterly obnoxious. <laughs> Brian, that, that <laughs> blue there, I don't. <laughs> There's obnoxious as a tear, guys. That's how obnoxious they are. Uh, whoa! Wow! Whoa! <laughs> but I don't know. Like I, I remember back in the previous editions, I two of my armies, my Bretts and my um, Tomb Kings, very heavily favored having two trebs or two catapults in their armies, and the guest ranges were actually really fun. I mean, a good. Chest Ranger he would usually ran, land right on their target anyway, so I don't have any hard feelings and I think it speeds up the magic or the shooting phase for artillery weapons being able to just put the template where you want it, but cannons did not fit well into that that scheme of things at all. And they just yeah. And then the multitude of adding them before it was just like dwarfs and empire, but now you have the chariots that can move and shoot and also fight occasionally from the ogres and the demons, so those have been kind of a downer, and uh, it kind of ties into taking the monsters off the table, really. It's like a huge risk putting that monster on the table, and that's kind of sad when we're playing a fantasy game, even though I'm partial to my big hordes of infantry, but I miss the possibility for the monsters wreaking some havoc, and I think cannons just need some tweak. It's really boring how they work now, and it's just... Too simple of a dice roll and to kind of auto remove stuff. So,
0: okay, that's. The, I mean, I I I think a large part of the community out there probably agrees with that statement. Uh, I certainly, you know, I, I wish the, the canon rules were tweaked a bit. Uh, myself, um, it's a little frustrating, especially I. I I fielded for a long time, uh, the dark elves with the dragon on the board, was, you know, my lord riding a dragon, and, you know, that we played that three player against Kenny here, not that long ago, and yeah, that was brutal. I, I like turn two cannonball, both the dragon lord and the dragon poof, gone. Take it off. There goes six hundred points. You know, yeah, they need a for that, for But, sure. but it, yeah, it it's definitely a a change that needs to pro that should happen hopefully. Um. So so Eric, if there was one thing we you could change about eighth, now that you've played for uh what almost a couple of years now, right? One year. One year. Man, I feel like you've been playing forever. Uh, now that you've got about a year under your belt, if there was one thing you could change the rules, what would that be? <laughs> um you know I think uh what on a silly note um I I kind of would
2: would like um, large creatures monsters to like when they're killed to become dangerous terrain on the field or or some sort of like <laughs> that'd be pretty badass like if my uh like my mourn fan you kill all those off pretty easy but now you got dangerous train sitting there or something like that or my my stone horn becomes this like big blockade of just bone and flesh. Uh that a Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah, so I mean there. you have that
0: in forty K and in warm or in uh, bolt action, right? You have uh, you kill the you kill the tank or whatever and you, you just leave it there as a wreck. Nice. I think that'd be kinda of harder to do in fantasy model-wise a little bit, but
1: that would be something that interesting.
0: No, but yeah, it be an excuse for them to sell, sell me dead monsters. <laughs> or to, yeah, buy another one to convert it up. <laughs> Although, I don't know how many people would be excited to put the dead carcass of their monster for a
1: conversion. <laughs> uh, I think that can loosely tie into my complaint about terrain not mattering that much. I mean, it would be a cool aesthetic, but it probably wouldn't be too big of a deal gameplay-wise. So. Uh,
0: I, I, I think, you know, hey... If if you know if I know that that's definitely If you talk about the cannon being a kind of sucking and taking the taking the monster off. I think that's a really Could kind of a cool idea. Like okay, well I, I'm pretty sure they're going to take that take my big monster off with that cannon, but I'm going to position that monster so at least if it dies, yes. it's going to give other units in my army. It's still going to do something for me. I can still position it so that when it dies, it's in the way. It's going to it's going to cause problems, you know, it's it's basically turning into a, a mobile piece of terrain so now all of a sudden my opponent's got to think about well, do I really want to create a giant dangerous piece of terrain or a, you know in the middle of the battlefield <laughs> there? That's actually kind of cool. I really like that idea. That'd be a pretty crazy mechanic. Yeah. I, uh, I think um, the other
2: piece that, you know, as a, again, as an ogre player and I haven't quite as a playing undead, I haven't unlocked it just yet but I'm, and I'm not going to say that uh, end times magic, cane magic is the way to go by any means, but uh, uh, I do feel like there' a lot of magic. I wish I didn't feel like magic was as dynamic as
3: some of the other phases. Um, but either it's kind of like you know because the uh, you know you're if you get a low dice phase, a power dice, like your best bets usually to just six dice. Um, you know your biggest spell, um, but. You know that you know there wasn't those big spells everywhere, and a lot of the other spells you know you buff you you, you know
2: you augment or, or whatever. Like I, I wish there was a few more tactical spells or things. And and again, I'm new, so I haven't probably playing ogres. I haven't
4: had as many uh, as much experience with the different uh, lores of magic, but um, just that you know some of the
2: some things that would just add more surprises or let or you kind of get out you know just switch up the game in a different way rather than a like unbalance from like a kill everything kind of way but kind of like uh, you know i like guess like like um what's the spell from uh Evans, the the wind where you can just like maybe you know using that more often to like just push your own units completely different yes. than they were or you know that sort of thing like things that would just change up the game a little
1: bit and throw wrenches and things um, I think could be kind of cool. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's just for me not having played it enough to, to get all out of the magic phase that maybe others are able to. Yeah, I think there's definitely some people out there, I know I'm not really big, but some people can do some really good synergies and stuff in the magic phase, and a lot of times you even rely on the magic phase to get you out of a pinch, but sometimes it takes a little more effort than a six dice and a spell,
0: but... Nope. I, I will note that one thing, I mean, in people do... You know, you kind of think about it like, okay, well... Let's say I'm bringing a 2,000 point army to the, to the table, right? And we get to the movement phase. How many points do I spend on the movement phase in my army? All 2,000 of points, right? <laughs> Every That's model good. in my army can move. Even, you know, even stuff like War Machines where I might not want to move them, they can move. The Magic Phase. How many points in my army did I spend on the Magic Phase? Maybe 500 points, which would be Less crazy era. amount of points, but, you know, maybe a level 4 to a level 2. 500 points, kind of realistically. 25% of my army. Okay. Don't forget the Disco Yeah, it's probably on my level 2. Uh what did I bring, you know, what did I bring in the shooting phase? Maybe 25% of my army, maybe. What did I bring for the combat phase? My entire army. So what are the two army, what are the, you know, when you think about the game, what are the two phases that are the most dynamic? It's the magic. it is the movement movement and the combat phases, right? And yeah, that's a really it, good point. and we get back to the things that we really like that 8th Ed did, it was making the movement phase really cool and making combat much better. Um, yeah, I think there's some improvement that could happen in the magic phase. But do I want it to become crazy crazy more... Do I want it to, It's already almost to the point where it's arguably... It, a lot of people argue that it's too impactful to the game do I want to make it too much more dynamic where it it becomes I pay 25% of my points of the models I took, and it becomes 75% of my game? That's a hard question. Sure. And I think, you know,
2: at the same time some of the big spells, you know, the 25% of the army that I spent on could take out 50% of your army. Or, you know, um, or snipe something, you know, those sorts of things. and um, So that balance there, too. So if it was, you know, adding some... I, and maybe it's just a, a sense of, like, just a dip for options, because you still are going to end up with low dice sometimes. So instead of, like, you know, blowing up that other person's army with a purple sun or whatever, is there another way to bring interest still being an edge in the game, but it's not, like, you know, like, it doesn't just tip the scales.
0: Well, let's kind of talk. I uh, take a second here and talk. Uh, why? Why does Why does a spell like Purple Sun, which is I think at this point everybody would argue is one of the worst spells to have cast on you, particularly if you're a low initiative army, um, because it will just obliterate units or obliterate models, particularly if you're an Ogre player. Okay. Um, <laughs> take a crack at that uh as a board player it was a, it was a pretty frustrating thing because on top of having low initiative i didn't have a great movement to even uh and so
4: the problem is you would have you would have a game going on and there's all these different things there's movements and shots and combats and all that sort of thing but the game would often be decided based on his six you know even
3: if i had prepared if i had uh uh, Spellbreaker rune, or saved all my dice to try to stop it. Um, it. The game would end up hinging around. He'd throw his six dice, or even worse, uh, with the old Dark Help book, like eight dice um, at, uh, at a purple sun. And if it came up irresistible force, then you had one more dice roll that was how far the purple sun went. And that was that was going to decide the game. So it was frustrating to have the entire game decided based on a single dice roll when there were so many other dice rolls, so many other decisions going into the game, it, it sucked to have it uh, come down to just one single moment uh, and not have anything you can do about it other than hope that you didn't see box in the boxcar you know, somewhere. something. Yeah, that's, so. that's definitely the biggest negative of that. Like, I think what Ben was getting at is sometimes you need that <laughs> for, say, a gut star or something like that. That might be your only hope at stomping, stopping that thing from... Just getting yeah. shot right down your throat. I'm tracking, but I would rather I would rather see spells that, you know, like, rather than one spell, whether it, you know, one spell, Irresistible Forcing, deciding it, like, let Magic decide that by, let's cascade a whole bunch of buffs, you know, cleverly applied, or some combination of spells cleverly applied to all of a sudden make your units able to go toe-to-toe with that, uh, that start, rather than you know, and, and I agree. I think a lot of the dwellers and Purple Sun exist to, to help with those Death Stars, and the, their are of that to
1: like you know, have something. Uh, I don't know to to discourage that, but I, I think I think wrapped up in stopping that, you end up affecting a lot of other armies that are not you know, not necessarily. I think that, that would take a pretty big change to do that. Just because I don't think like in order to counter the Death Star, like not all the lures are going to be that good at buffing and stuff like that, and even then, it's hard to get like enough of them off. I guess, I mean, Mind Razor could be a big swing, and that's really probably one of the hugest ones in combat, but, I mean, lowering Strength and Toughness, whether it's a buff or debuff, is very helpful, but I know a lot of my units still aren't going
3: to hold up to that Death Star, but Definitely. that's a good point. And I would, rather, I would rather see that, too, but I think just with the Few spells, I feel like I get off in a phase. I wouldn't be able to pull it off that way. I am just saying, my, my main complaint was it it was often the game would be decided on on a single a single spell going irresistible or not. And that that yeah. be frustrating when there was so much else. Involved. That's really just disappointing, yeah. yeah. You just don't want you want uh, a game to just boil down to that single dice roll. It's a different it's a different matter if like a hard five game is has boiled down to a single you know like okay, you know, my general's got. On the bottom of turn six, he's got to make a four-up four, award, and if he makes it, I win. If, I, if he doesn't, I lose. You know, that, that's, that's an exciting way for it to go. Not, you know, not top of turn two, you roll your box cards in and you're just double attempt and, and Yeah, you know. I think we all agree, like, combat is the best phase to win your game in.
1: <laughs> like, win it in magic gets shooting is usually not that fun of a game for you or your opponent very, very often. Off. Combat slash movement. Those are those are yeah yeah. Movement leads to combat. So
0: yeah, I, I will I will completely agree with with the the uh, the feel of a game that is ended prematurely because of a big spell, um, essentially where it's 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 potentially decided, um, but at the same time, other than me, it, some small exceptions, uh, in all of the games that I've played in eighth ed. The the big spell has been less decisive in the game, except except for some with with the exception of some some key critical type uh type uh, games where I'm basically playing against that Death Star army and all of a sudden now yeah okay that that purple sun just obliterated 3 quarters of an iron, you know a gut star or or just destroyed the the that whatever that big unit was that had like th- three characters in it. and if and if I didn't do it at that point the game was going to be exactly the exactly the other way around because the one thing Aethad didn't do well I thought was bring you know, we can we can talk about how much we like you know you'd like to have things in game that you could do to to bring against uh, say a gut star, but like that you know, and I'm kind of picking on that matchup, but like that type of an like, army and that type of an army build is really tough. To counter with an army list, with like like your normal like normal armies, if you have a, a diverse army with lots of units, it's very tough to deal with it. And that was, I think, the almost a game designer cop out to fix that problem.
3: Yeah, I, that's a good
0: explanation.
3: I guess here's here's my just to come back to Purple Sun one more time. Here's here's my beef uh, with with that over others. Weller's targets a single unit that can go against the Death Star. Uh, Final transmutation targets a single unit. you encounter a Death Star. Purple Sun, you're only really going to catch one unit under it. That you know that could affect the Death Star. Same with Razor, It's going to affect one of your units. But Purple Sun had the potential to hit an entire army. Uh, and this this was my complaint. I think if Purple Sun affected a single unit, uh, I, I wouldn't have as much beef with it. But I would literally have you know some. Some little level two douche on a on a cab steed or whatever run to the side of my army and spit it down the entirety of my army, and, and uh, I hadn't taken a Death Star, but but you know, my army was was wrecked by this spell. And, you know, you, you did your best to mitigate and work around it, and all that sort of thing. But I, I think that was I think that was it. It was it was not just a counter to Death Stars, but it could it could wipe out entire armies. So I think that may have been the flaw in, in that particular spell
0: yeah probably um, okay so I, I think we're kind of out of getting close to the, the out of time allotment we had here for talking about uh, 8th Ed and, and giving kind of a send off here um, any other comments uh, thoughts about 8th Ed here before we wrap it up
3: huh. go ahead uh, I didn't really
1: have anything specific. I was just going to wrap it up that it's definitely... I think I've had the most fun in this edition. I don't know if that's because of the edition or just how I've been playing or anything like that. I'm not sure, but it's definitely just made for... The majority of my games are funner and in, more interesting. It's just like seems like a more exciting game than it has been in the past for me, so that's the big hit off, and I'm really scared or sad to see what it could turn into, so that kinda says something for how much I like it right now. So Thank you, eighth yeah, edition? You? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will I will say this. So having been there for 6th and 7th and 7th to seventh and seventh to eighth, and then
3: playing forty K before that, seeing some edition changes. Uh, of all the edition changes in any game I've played, this is the coolest way an edition has ever gone out, like uh, I mean I, I know end times are controversial for a lot of people, but it's strictly from a, a background perspective and a, a end of the world thing, and I have a soft spot for apocalyptic storylines and such. But I thought it was a really kind of uh, I don't know baldy or interesting or uh, just this is the first time it's ever a really Cool way for, for an addition to go out. I, I'm i impressed that they decided to go to this route uh, just. Out of these sort of audacity of the way they chose to uh, close it out, it actually makes me excited to see what is coming. Um, you know, cause I wish you had more of an explanation from them um, of sure. what. Would be, yeah, well, that's that's the rumors are so
1: like together. negative. It's yeah. frustrating.
0: Yeah, the rumor, if you remember all uh, the rumors coming in eighthed were pretty negative too. Oh yeah, it was guys falling all over the place. <laughs> so I, I'm not, so
3: this I'm not literally no, this time. there you go there's okay. no sky <laughs> subsumed
0: by uh, a really dark guys, Carl Franz oh. will save us uh, yeah. no I'm gonna spoiler alert he doesn't well of, maybe he does I mean yeah, we don't know what
3: that, what that being floating through the ether was so. uh, maybe, maybe it is him <laughs> Knows. Only time will tell. Yeah, speaking of which, time, uh, I'm kind of surprised how long they're waiting to. There's a lot of people saying, okay, world has ended. What's next? Well, yeah, that's what
1: I'm saying. I wish they would give you some
3: word. My, uh, you know, obviously we talked about, you know, this is my one year. I think I started in, in March, so a year and a month playing it. Um, for me coming into this hobby started with just picking up a box of ogres that I wanted to assemble and paint and uh, have some fun with and then like the game was a a bonus almost on top of that and then um, and I would say then on top of that even has been uh, obviously the local community playing with you guys here um, getting to know you uh, make friends and in places outside of my professional life and all that kind of stuff it's just nice um not to have like the pretenses of the the rest of the world kind of in this scenario when we're fighting battles over the stupid classic men and then the
2: the twitter i think universe um, of warhammer players um you know being able to uh, uh just kind of see what other people are doing to be so kind of communicative about the hobby um has really just given me you know there's like 17 aspects of this hobby that I can enjoy at different times. If I'm, you know, um, wanting to just hobby, there's somebody I, stuff I can look at. You know, if I want to play games, people to pick that up with. If there's a place I want to go, there's tons of things happening. If I'm bored on the shitter, I can look, look at Twitter on my phone. Um, you know, <laughs> Warhammer can, you know, or just this community, you know, around eight Ed um, has been, you know, a big add-on to, to, you know, a lot of fun that I've had over the last year. And I hope that a lot of the community sticks around and uh, that we get to enjoy whatever's coming next, you know. And um, I hope everybody gets a kitten, and I hope that rainbows uh, lead to pots of
0: gold and unicorns. <laughs> At least you didn't say sparkly vampires. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Uh, but
2: I, did, I am going to say beginning times, bro. Yeah. It's a good army idea.
0: Sparkly vampires. With rainbow kittens. Uh, sounds like something a high elf player would put on the table. I think you're the only one here who's played high elf before. Yep. Oh, yeah. In the proper colors, too. <laughs> Pink. Yeah, that bombshell. <laughs> and that no background noise. Thanks for listening, folks. Peace out. <laughs>
4: Later. Later.